And anybody feel the Holy Ghost in the house? Come on, lift up the name of Jesus like you know that name is a great name. Come on, there's anointing that's lingering. There's a power that's flowing. The power that'll give you strength. The power that'll change your life. The power of the Holy Ghost. Amen, amen. If you feel the power of God in the house, clap your hands as loud as you can. Lift up your voice. Anybody came to have church tonight? <laughs> Amen. Just in case anyone's wondering, I only work out three days a week. And it's for the intensive purposes. So when I get in the pulpit, I'm coming to tear the devil's head off. Anybody came to put the devil on the run tonight? Anybody came to put Satan under your feet right where he belongs? Is it all right if I give myself a new nickname? You like the Pugilist, but I like the Intimidator. Because when I come to the pulpit, me and the devil are not best friends. And he shouldn't be your best friend either. Amen. I, I, I don't want to be long tonight. And if it's all right, I'll skip preliminaries because God wants to move. The Holy Ghost is here. Amen. I believe that something radical, something life transforming is about to happen in this service. Amen. That's revelation. That's dominion. That's power. That's anointing. Amen. That's being poured out. Amen. 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 As quickly as you can, Mark chapter 2 and verse 11 for your consideration. And we have been blessed in every service that the Spirit of God has been here, has resonated, has moved, has touched the lives of young people. Amen. I am grateful for great young men, great peers in my life. Amen. I appreciate Brother Cox and his spirit. Amen. Of conviction that, that was transcended down from the pulpit this morning. Amen. I, I am a person that I love when the preacher preached to me. There are some folks that when the preacher gets preaching, they get to ducking and diving. But I want the word of the Lord to seep through my heart. I want God's spirit to saturate my soul. Amen. So if the preacher's preaching to you, just say amen. And eat it. Amen. Digest the word of God because it's good for you. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 2 and verse 11 when you have it say amen. The Bible says I say unto thee arise and take up thy bed. Everybody say take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house and immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they all that they were all amazed and glorified God saying we never saw it on this fashion in southern terms we ain't never seen nothing like that before John chapter 5 and verse 8 Jesus said unto him rise Take up thy bed. Shout it again. Take up thy bed. And walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. I feel victory in the house tonight. I feel like somebody can get a miracle in the service tonight. I feel like if you don't have the Holy Ghost, tonight's the best night to get it. 
If you got some chains that are holding you binding, I'm telling you, God can break every chain. He's saying, arise. I, I, I've come to preach a man with the Spirit of the Lord upon me tonight. And I only have two requests. The first request is that none of the musicians leave the instruments. You probably can't do that if you wanted to tonight. It's pretty jam-packed in here. And the second, that somebody in the house helps, helps me preach tonight. Amen. Anybody believe God can show up? Amen. If you feel the Holy Ghost right now, clap your hands. Lift your voice. And say, God, I need your spirit right now, Jesus. God, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. God, I need your anointing. I need your power. I need your grace. Amen. And I want to preach as long as God would allow me to preach from this title. Take up thy bed. Somebody say, take up thy bed. Amen. If and only if you're going to help me preach tonight, clap your hands and you may be seated unto the Lord. Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. This declarative instruction is the words that were uttered from the voice of Jesus as he encountered two men that we are familiar with. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard the stories of the man, the man that was born of palsy, and the man that sat by the pool of Bethesda. But I want to do my best tonight to paint an image to give you a modern day insight to help us understand what actually transpired in these stories. And I want to take you from the very beginning of this text, the story of the man that was born of palsy that's found in the book of Mark chapter 2. And verse number one. And again, and again, God. and again, he entered into Capernaum. Yes. After some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Jesus entered into Capernaum, and noise got around that Jesus was in the house. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. That Jesus was in the house. Yeah. I don't know if you feel what I feel, but that sounds real good right there. I said Jesus is in this house. I, I, I don't know what's going on on the road right now, but if they can hear what I hear and they can feel what I feel, Jesus is in the house. Jesus was in the house. Straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. Now, just to paint a picture, if you're just trying to wonder what the setting looked like, it kind of looked like the 238 conference. Yeah. There were so many people in the house that people were sitting right next to the preacher where they can feel the sweat fall off his face. They could not get in the room. They could not receive them because of the press. And the Bible says that Jesus began to preach the word to them. And he preached the word unto yeah. them. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Yes, keep reading. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. Yeah. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When they could not get in the house because of the press... The Bible said that they climbed up upon the rooftop and they began to uncover the roof. But I don't want you to miss what happened. The Bible says that they let him down while he was on his bed. Everybody say his bed. His bed. Keep reading. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, 
thy sins be forgiven thee. Yeah, keep reading. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, what doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Yeah. Who can forgive sins but God only? Can I tell you and remind you, as Brother Cox preached today, there will always be dream killers. Yeah. That when you decide to live for God and decide, I'm going to walk with Jesus, uh, there's always going to be somebody upset about it. And they said, this man needs a healing. And Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven you. Can I tell you that I'm so glad that we serve a God that he still blots away every sin and he washes away every... You can be mad about it, but I got something to shout about because God washed me and God cleansed me. I serve a... So the dream killers can get mad all they want. Yeah, yeah. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reason within themselves. Yeah. He said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Yes. Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise, yeah. take up thy bed and walk. Jesus said, what's easier? For me to say thy sins be forgiven you. Or to say, arise. Everybody shout, arise. arise. Take up thy bed and walk. I, I want you to look tonight at this text. You've seen it before. It's not anything that's foreign to you. But I want to pull apart this scripture. I want to dissect and extrapolate what happened in this text. Because God did something profound. God did something impossible. But it requires something on the behalf of the man that was being healed for God to do what he was coming to do. The first thing that Jesus told him, he said, arise. Come on, do it again. Shout it with me. Arise. He said, arise. And can I tell you that the easiest way to access what God wants to do in your life tonight is you don't fumble around with fear and intimidation and balancing the weight of your insecurities and say, God, I'm shriveled up. I don't think I can do what you called me to do. He didn't ask you that. All he said was be obedient. And he said, get up from there because I called you out. I called you up and I'm pulling you out. He didn't say, how are you feeling? He didn't say, are you up to par today? He said, arise. That's a commandment. And I can remind somebody in the house that obedience is rather to be had than sacrifice. So can I tell you that if God called you to preach, then I don't care where you preach, but preach. If God called you to walk, I don't care where you walk, but just walk. If God called you to be holy, I don't care how you gotta do it, but be holy, I said. Oh, I feel my health coming on. Then he says, take up thy bed and walk. Now, when you look at this text, you may be seated, you look at this text. We are the type of people that we like the good parts. He said, arise, and he never done that before. We like that part that's exciting. Then he said, walk, and he definitely didn't do that before. That's excellent. We love that part. But I don't want you to miss what happened in the middle. It's kind of like us. Sometimes we, we get to the place, Brother Cox, that we like the good stuff when it comes to God. Everybody likes praying and saying, God, can you pour out your anointing on me? I want to be used in the gifts. I want the power to heal the sick. I want the power to proclaim the truth. Everybody likes asking. That's the first part. And everybody likes when God pour, opens up the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing that you can't contain. Everybody loves that part. But we don't like what happens in the middle. Because sometimes in the, wilderness, in the middle, you got to wait on what God has promised you. Oh, I hope somebody hears what I'm preaching to you. We like the power 
and we like the anointing, uh, but we don't like the waiting that's required in the middle. Oh, maybe, maybe this may make sense. Uh, you want God to anoint you uh, and you want to be used, uh, but you don't like the consecration uh, that's required in the middle. So I don't want you to miss what happens in the middle of this text. Jesus said, arise. And he said, take up thy bed. Everybody said, take up thy bed. Now, I'm taking my time tonight because I'm just getting warmed up. It's all locked in. I'm ready to let it out. He said, take up thy bed. Now, for the understanding in the modern times, in modern-day vernacular, I don't want you to think for some reason that when the Bible is saying bed, that for some reason maybe he's talking about a posturpedic mattress. No, he's not talking about a sleep number bed. He's not talking about a climate control quilt and a memory foam pillow. That's not the kind of bed that we're talking about. But you have to understand that in the Bible days that when, when they brought people out on their bed, that when the Bible referenced bed, that there was a such thing as the bed of the sick. And this bed was equivalent to a mat or a couch or sometimes even just a blanket. And, the, and they would bring these people out on their beds. They would bring them to the temple's gates. They would bring them to the places of the city uh, where large populations of people would travel. Uh, they would set them at the doorsteps of the temple uh, so that when people would see them on their bed, uh, they can reach out their cup uh, and ask for alms of the people. Everybody have the image so far. Just to make it just a little bit more clear of what's going on, the bed was a mode of transportation for those that were impotent, those that were immobilized uh, and could not leave their home on their own. Uh, and so they had to be carried. Uh, they had to be carried from one place to the other. Now, we're in 2020 now and we don't carry these things around. And, and for the sake of preaching, know that I am not meaning this in a degrading sense, but I want to paint a picture. Is it all right if I paint a picture tonight for you? The bed of the New Testament would be equivalent to what we use now called the wheelchair. A mode of transportation for the immobilized to bring them to the places where they could not bring themselves. Everybody still with me? And the important fact to understand about this text uh, it's when you begin to look at what Jesus commanded this man to do, uh, you will find out real quickly uh, that what he asked him was really strange. Because Jesus said, arise and get off that bed. But he said, when you get off the bed, I want you to take it and I want you to walk with it. Now, now listen, that may not make much sense to you right now. But if there was anybody in a wheelchair uh, and God laid his hands on them uh, and the power of the Holy Ghost made them stand up uh, out of that wheelchair, uh, I don't think you will have too much trouble uh, of saying, I don't want to see that wheelchair no more. You will have a hard time convincing him uh, that you should walk back home with that wheelchair. So know that when Jesus tells him to take up his bed and walk with it, he's asking him a strange thing so it makes you wonder why in the world would Jesus even instruct him to do such a thing is that alright if I just preach for a little while I want to submit to you tonight that when Jesus came to this man and he told him to take up his bed and walk with it I don't know what your theology is. I don't know what your interpretation is. But can I tell you what I see tonight? I see a God of the universe that understands the power of proof. Oh, you're going to feel what I'm preaching in a little bit. We serve a God that knows that there's doubters that are lingering in the world. 
And when God lays his hands on you, uh, sometimes you got a hard time explaining uh, the transformation uh, that's happened on the inside of you. And Jesus said, uh, he said, I want you to arise uh, and take up your bed uh, and I want you to walk with it. Can I tell you why I believe Jesus told him that? Because the Bible says that after he took up his bed and he began to walk with it, the Bible says that everybody that saw him, they were all amazed and they glorified God. And they said, we never saw nobody taking their wheelchair back home with them. Can I tell you why you take up your bed? Because your bed is your testimony. Oh, I don't know if you hear me preaching tonight. I'll tell you why Jesus wants you to walk with your testimony. Because there's somebody at your school that needs to see Jesus. There's somebody at your... Anybody got a testimony in the house? Anybody got grace that saturated your life? Anybody know Jesus? He said, I want you to take up your bed and I want you to walk with it. So everybody that sees you, that they will know that you're carrying and you're bearing the proclamation of proof that there is one God and his name is Jesus, that he heals the sick, that he raises the dead, that he, he'll break every addiction that's had you bound. He'll save your backslidden parents. Anybody in the house got a testimony? Oh, I don't know if you got a testimony, but if you forgot what God has done for you, let remind you that there's breath in your body. Anybody got the Holy Ghost? Anybody been saved, sanctified? He said, I want you to take that bed. And I want you to walk with it. And, and you can call me crazy. You can call me whatever you like. But I can see why Jesus told him that. Because Jesus was in the temple and he healed a man. And he healed his blind eyes. And as soon as God touched him, the Pharisees and the scribes, they came to him. They said, are you sure you were really blind? They pulled in his parents and they said, are you sure this is your son? And the man looked at him. He said, I don't know who that man is, but all he told me, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. I was broke, but now I'm blessed. I was sick, but now I'm saved. I was tore up, but now I'm transformed. Anybody feel the Holy Ghost in the house? Anybody feel, I'm telling you, somebody in the house ought to remember the bed that God took you from. bringing the elder I.H. Terry back in the house. They say that when it was testimony service, when it's time for people to declare the goodness of the Lord, he used to shout to the crowd, everybody happy, and the crowd would say happy. Everybody happy? Everybody happy? Anybody got a testimony? Can I, can I tell you why you need to walk with your testimony? Because the world needs to see what's on the inside of you. The world needs to see what's on the outside of you. You don't need to be ashamed, intimidated, or walk in fear. Because God has changed you and that means there's hope for somebody else. Oh, I feel my help in the house. If God's deliver you, that means he can do it for you. He can do it for you. He can. We serve the God of the encore that he repeats his performances. He do it over and over and over. The cox is all right if I use you for a little bit. See, there was a time in my life that I was afraid to talk about where I was.
Somebody was here last year. But let me tell you why you can't lock up your testimony. Because the adversary is afraid that if you open up your mouth and start declaring the goodness of God in your life, then there will be a drawing that people don't hear the preaching that you hear, but they see the walking, living, breathing epistles of men that's been set free and women that's been changed and somebody that's been delivered. I'm reminded that Revelations 12 and 11 said that we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your oh I don't know if you hear me tonight by the word of your can I can it's alright if I just preach for a little while reason why the devil don't want you to talk about your testimony is because he knows that testimonies are contagious. There was an old lady sitting by the well that Jacob built and the master came on the scene and she's sitting down at his church service entertaining the king of kings and something happened on the inside of her that when she got the joy of the Lord on the inside of her she couldn't shut her mouth and the Bible says that she ran back to the city and she said come see a man come see a man come see a man can I tell you why you walk with your bed it's because them ladies at school need to see what holiness looks like testimony somebody say my testimony is contagious my faith is contagious and the devil can't stand it can I tell you why I'm preaching like this right now you see when you start you start operating in the miraculous and the Holy Ghost starts moving and you start bearing out a testimony that's when revival happens how do I know that Acts 5 and 14 there were multitudes, there were people that were being added to the church. But the Bible says that they begin to bring the sick out on beds and couches. Because something start happening in a church. Can I tell you that this world will be saved when we stop being quiet and we stop. I will not shut my mouth about what God's doing in a church. I'll tell you how many people's been baptized. I'll tell you how many people got the Holy Ghost. Because if your church is dead, you need to get off your bed. Oh, somebody clap your hands if you got a testimony. Oh, somebody lift up your voice if God's been good to you. I pray that everybody see that God's been good to me. I got a spirit of a testimony on the inside of me. There was a few months ago, uh, about a year or so ago, one of my best friends, uh, he was a good young man with the same age, uh, and he got a call, uh, a disturbing call, uh, and he went to the doctor, uh, and they told him that he had cancer. Oh, yeah, everything's fun, everything's games, until you realize that you are close to dying. And he had one of the most aggressive stages of cancer for that cancer. And I start, we, the church start praying, and we all start praying. Can I tell you why testimonies are contagious? Because when you see God do something one time, you have no doubt that he can do it again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you see somebody, I'm telling you, when people look at you, they don't understand what's happened. They don't understand what transformed. But they look at the bed, and they look at you, and they look at the bed, and they look at you, and they say, it must be God. And we start praying and we start fasting and we start believing that God would heal him. And it was one day we were on a fishing trip and he gets another phone call and his wife's on the other end of the line and she called and she said, baby, I got something to tell you. She said, the doctor said that all your cancer is gone. 
<laughs> but that ain't what I want to tell you about. Because see, I'm on that boat and something in my soul got stirred. And I start thinking about God's goodness and the power miraculous hand of Jesus. And I said right there is a testimony. And it wasn't but a few months later that my wife and I, we sat down with a family of four uh, and we start teaching them a home Bible study. Uh, and we found out right into getting to that Bible study uh, that, the one, that the husband that we were teaching, uh, he had tumors in his brain. And he started having seizures all the time. And Brother Frost, the doctors told him, uh, he said, if you keep having those seizures uh, like you're having him, them, uh, you won't live to see 40 years old. Oh, but I wasn't having that. Because I know what the bed looks like. I said, I saw what a testimony looks like. And devil, you come too late to tell me God can't heal. Devil, you come too late to tell me that God can't deliver. Devil, you come too late to tell me that God can't bring back the... Can I show you what, what watching that bed go by would do to you? My faith got stirred. Uh, and it was one day we got a phone call. Uh, and it said, Brother Wings, you got to get to the hospital quick. Uh, Brother Joe's having another seizure. Uh, and we, and we, my wife and I got in the car. Uh, and we got to the hospital. Uh, and when I walked in the hospital room, uh, everything was fine. Uh, everything looked normal. But out of nowhere, he started having another seizure. But I got a testimony in my back pocket. And I pulled that testimony out. And the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. And while Brother Joe's having his seizure, I reached out my hand. And I say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And that seizure stopped right there. Oh, I don't know if you hear what I'm preaching to you. Not only did that seizure stop right there, uh, but Brother Joe went back to the doctors, uh, and guess what? He don't have those tumors no more. So can I tell you, uh, there's nothing impossible, but my God, uh, all he acts uh, is arise, uh, arise, uh, arise, uh, and take up thy bed. Oh, somebody ought to walk in the Holy Ghost. Uh, oh, somebody ought to walk. Walk at your bed, walk at your bed, walk at your bed, walk at your bed. That's part A of the message. But I, 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 I cannot tell you the truth tonight. It's all right if I tell you the truth. I understand that there are young people in this house right now. You hear me preach like this, and you want to get excited, and you're saying, Preacher, I like what you're preaching, and it sounds good, and you're using good props, but can I just be honest with you, Preacher? I don't have a testimony. I've never been drunk one day in my life. I've never been out in the world. I was born and raised in the church. I haven't made too many mistakes. I don't have a testimony. Is that right if I preach that for a little while? Raise your hands if you're in this house and you were born and raised in church. Raise your hands. Hands down. Raise your hands if you are under the age of 25 and you were born and raised in a church. Keep them up. I want to see you. I'm talking to you right now. The adversary would tell you uh, that you don't have a testimony worth telling any about uh, because you've never been high out your mind uh, and you've never smoked crack uh, and you haven't given yourself away uh, and you haven't been out in the world. Uh, but can I tell somebody right now uh, that the devil is a liar? I'm going to say it again uh, loud and proud so he hears me. Uh, the devil is a liar. Can I tell you why he's a liar? Because you don't have to have a testimony. Can I tell some young person you are a testimony? 
You don't have to be drunk. You don't have to be in the world. You don't have to sleep around. You don't have to. You are a testimony. Every day you walk and they see that dress. Every day you walk and they see your hair. Walk with your testimony in the school halls. Walk with your testimony on that college campus. Walk with your testimony because God has been good to you. Can y'all give me 15 minutes and 30 seconds? Somebody say you are a testimony. Testament in the Old Testament, it was the days that God would speak to his people, he would give them specific instructions, like he did the man that had palsy. And in the Old Testament, he commanded in Exodus 30 and 26, it's talking about I don't want to even give that away. Has anybody heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Anybody heard of that before? Yeah. Raise your hands. Come on, I want to see him. Anybody heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Has anybody ever heard of the ark of God? Raise your hands if you heard of the ark of God. All right. About 13 of y'all. Has anybody ever heard of the ark of the testimony? You notice those same hands didn't go up. The ark of the covenant is what we know but the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony, uh, and the Ark of God were all the same thing. But God commanded them in Exodus 30 and 26. He said, and thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, uh, and the Ark of Testimony. And the Ark of Testimony. I need my four priests to come out real quick. Uh, and this art of the testimony, God gave them specific instructions on what they were supposed to do. The Bible tells us in Exodus 25 and 14 that on the outside of the ark of the testimony, that there were to be rings, that they were to put stays between those rings so that the ark of the testimony could be bore on the shoulders of the priest. Everybody follow me so far. And it makes you wonder why God commanded them to do that. It's because while they're coming out of the land of Egypt, he said, I want you to put your testimony on your shoulders so every generation and every nation that sees you, they'll know that I'm your God. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm Jehovah Shalom. I'm Jehovah Sikhanu. I'm Jehovah Almighty God. Anybody know the God we serve is a great and mighty God? Let me explain to you what, how the Ark of the Testimony worked. On the outside is overlaid with gold. And there's the, the, the anointed cherubs that cover. Uh, and they're overlooking the mercy seat. Can I remind somebody that you would not even be in this room if it had not been for mercy? Oh, maybe you forgot that. Oh, bless the Lord, all oh my soul, uh, and forget not all his benefits. Uh, don't you dare forget about mercy, uh, because it's mercy that drug you here tonight. Uh, it's mercy that... If you're in sin, there's still mercy for you. Uh, if you're broke, uh, there's still mercy for you. Anybody thankful for the goodness of the Lord? What he said on the inside... Verse 15, he said, he said, I want you to put in the ark of the testimony, uh, the testimony that I shall give thee. Right. Yeah. So you got to know what was on the inside of the ark of the testimony. The Bible tells us that, that he commanded they, that they would put an omer of manna because that manna, it symbolized the provision of God. That when you ask me for bread, I'll give you bread. When you ask me for meat, I'll give you meat. When you ask me for drink, I'll give you a water that will never let you thirst again. Has anybody know that we serve a God that's a provider, a God that's a miracle worker, a God that does the impossible? 
And after the pot of manna, he put in there the rod that budded Aaron's rod because that rod symbolizes the impossible. It symbolizes the miraculous uh, that a dead wood could bring forth and sprout flowers. Uh, we serve a God that does impossible things. Uh, don't tell me that your parents can't come to church. Uh, don't tell me that your backslidden friends can't come back. Uh, don't tell me that God can't save the drunk. Uh, don't tell me that God, I said we serve a God uh, that he takes the dead things uh, and he said, all right. But this is what I want to preach, and I'm at the end of my message. Listen carefully. We are in the midst of a generation uh, that they don't know what it's like to be in Egypt. Uh, and they don't know what it's like to bear the Ark of the Testimony uh, through the wilderness. Uh, and that's why you know the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, because you won't find in Exodus uh, where they ever referenced uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, because in order for a covenant to become law, you have to have a test uh, and you have to have an experience. And a theory cannot become proven law until you experiment. Can I tell some young person that you ought to be glad that your mama and daddy uh, got pulled out of Egypt uh, and you don't know what bondage feels like? Oh, I'm going to say that again so the devil hears me. Uh, you ought to not spit... You you better not spit in your pastor's face uh, and say, I don't want this truth. Uh, I don't want that preaching. Uh, I don't want this life. Uh, because your parents, uh, they came out uh, and God uh, has given you a promise. Because the third piece on the inside of the Ark of the Testimony was the Ten Commandments. And that was a contract. Somebody say a contract. A contract between a God and his people. It said, we're going to live like this. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, I will not. I choose to live for God despite what the world says. I choose to be a child of God despite what my friends. So can I tell you what has to happen in a service like this? There ought to be some people in here that you remember where God brought you from and you ought to walk with your bed. But I declare that ought to be some young people in this generation that make a covenant with your God and say, my parents, they had a testimony, but I got a commitment and I got a covenant that I will be the child. Oh, I feel something happening in the house. I feel something happening in the house. I'm telling you, mama, God brought you out. But son, God's... Are there any young people in the house that you got to shout in your lungs and you got to praise on your lips and say, I'll walk in my bed. I'll walk in my bed. I'll walk in my bed. I'll walk, I'll walk, I'll walk. the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, you ought to lift up your voice in the house. Oh, you ought to lift up your voice in the house. Has the devil's been intimidating you and saying you don't have a testimony. The devil's been trying to tell you you don't have a right. But I got a praise on the inside of me. I got something on the inside of me because you don't know where I was when God delivered me. You don't know where I was when God pulled me back. There's a group of young, there's a group of young people in here right now that when this service is over, you need to lose your mind. Can I tell you what a testimony looks like? You see, there's, there's young people that would have the audacity to come up to me and say, Brother Williams, uh, your testimony is so great. Uh, I wish I had a testimony like that. Uh, but can I tell you, you don't want to go through what I went through. Uh, you don't want to deal with what I battle with. Uh, you don't want to struggle with what I struggle with. Because you are a testimony. I pray you get this down in your spirit.
Can I tell you the power of a testimony? Because I live with a young lady uh, that at an early age, in her teenage years, uh, she made a covenant with God. Uh, she said, I'll bear the ark of the covenant on my shoulders uh, that God delivered my parents. Uh, and I might be second generation, uh, but I'm not putting down this bed. Uh, I'm going to walk with these stays on my back. And my wife inspires me. Young ladies, listen to this. She got in the closet and she started praying uh, and she said, God, I'll make a covenant with you uh, that I'm going to keep myself uh, to the day of my marriage. Listen, listen, not just keep herself. Uh, she said, the first man that I ever kiss uh, is going to be my husband. You see how quiet you are? You don't even think that's a testimony. She's never cut her hair. She's never put on makeup. She's never put on pants. And you can say, I'd rather be delivered from crack. I'd rather be delivered from alcohol. I'd rather be. You don't have to go out in the world to have a testimony. You are, you are. You ought to lose your mind right now and say, I'll be the covenant. I'll be the covenant. I'll be the covenant. spirit walk with it in the spirit come on get these chairs out the way there's something in my spirit that's saying I gotta shout I gotta give God praise because God's been good to me oh, I feel the, anybody feel the Holy Ghost right now Anybody feel the whole, anybody in the back of their mama's back there uh, that God's done something in your life uh, and your grandbabies are in church because of it. Uh, and God's done something in your family uh, and your great, great grandchildren are. Oh, there's a covenant. Uh, there's a commitment uh, that I'm going to live for God. cannot tell you what happened when the children of Israel they bore the covenant on their shoulders and they walked up to the city called Jericho and they came to the promised land and they're bearing that, that covenant on their shoulders and they're walking with their bed and they got to the gates of the city and Joshua said I don't want you to say a word I just want you to walk anybody feel the Holy Ghost right now he said, you don't have to say a word. He said, let your feet do the talking. He said, because you realize that I'm Jehovah God. And when I say go, I say go. And when I say deliverance, there will be deliverance. And when I say you got a testimony, you are, you are, you are a I need about 300 of you radical young people to put a praise on your lips and say despite what the devil says, I'm going to walk with my bed. You better look out, devil, because I'm coming back to school with a business on my heart. Come on, that's it. That's it. Make a covenant. Make a covenant. Make a covenant. Make a... Walk with it. Walk with it. Walk with it, walk with it, walk with it. And when you get to the gates of the city, he says, shout. He says, shout. He says, shout. And every wall of the adversary, it will come down. Oh, you ought to lift up your voice if you got a testimony. You ought to lift up your voice and say, God, I'll walk with my... That's it, lift it up. Walk with your bed. Walk with your bed. Walk with your bed. You ought to put a step in your feet. You ought to put a step in your feet. Come on, that's it. Come on, that sounds like feet moving. That sounds like you're walking. That sounds like marching music.
that you grab out a hold of somebody and say, God's been good. God's been good. God's been good. Any young people going back to school with your mind made up? Any young people going back to school and say, I walk in my bed? I don't think you really understand what's going on. Can you imagine what that feels like? To walk and walk and walk and you don't see nothing happening? God called you to preach and your pastor hasn't given you clearance yet. God gave you a promise and your husband ain't show up yet. I'll give you anointing uh, and every time you get down your knees uh, it feels like heaven's locked up uh, but can I tell you what you do uh, when you don't feel anything coming down uh, you just keep on walking uh, you just keep on being obedient uh, you just I don't know about you uh, but if I was with the children of Israel uh, and they said walk around seven times uh, on the seventh day, uh, I don't know about you, uh, but walking wasn't fast enough. Uh, I probably would have started running uh, because I knew uh, that the wall was about to come down. Is it all right if we test the Richter scale again tonight? Anybody got a testimony? preaching to the cute folks I'm not talking to the prim and proper I'm talking about people that God has pulled out that God has kept you that you still got your purity intact you ought to give the devil a black eye and say devil look what I got devil Look what I got. That's it, go. That's it. You ought to lose your mind and say, I'm walking in my bed. I'm walking.